This is New Life Christian Fellowship's weekly message podcast. You can find us online at newlifepetaluma.org. And now, this week's message. Boy, it is always fun when I come out just about 45 seconds too soon. That is just fun. <laughs> you know, it's just fan. I love it. I love it. Because I get to sing, and who doesn't like a good sing-along, right? Thank you for keeping me muted back there. I appreciate you, and you appreciate her. Trust me. <laughs> Welcome to an incredible day at New Life, guys. I'm so excited you're here. If we haven't met yet, my name is Kevin. I'm going to be guiding us through our journey together this morning. Uh, when you came in, you should have received a program. Inside your program, there are a few things you're going to really, really need. The first is this card that says Start Here. It is our connection card. It helps you connect with us, connect with each other. It helps us connect with you. Ultimately, it will help us help you connect with God. And that's our goal. We want to help you connect with God. So help me help you by filling out your Connect card this week. We would really appreciate it. And we're going to be doing some stuff with this throughout the morning together. So make sure you, you do that. There will be a big payoff to you, especially if you have children, if you fill out this card today. That's all I'm going to say. Fill out the card. The other thing you're going to want to get are your teaching notes. They'll tell you where we're going today, and they'll give you some ways to put the things that we're learning today into practice a little bit later, uh, because we are in uh, what I have been saying for the last five weeks and really believe is true. We are in our best summer as a church ever. Uh, If you're brand new to New Life, or if you've been gone for a few weeks on vacation, travel, that kind of thing, let me bring you up to speed on where we've been and where we're going for the next five weeks. We are right in the middle of a series called Summer of Love, learning how to be multidimensional lovers. The reason why we're doing this is because Jesus was talking to a guy one time, and the guy said to him, how can I experience eternal life? Eternal life is a life of abundance, purpose, passion, joy, excitement here on earth, and eternal life also is a life with God into eternity. So this guy's asking, how can I have the fullest life here? How can I have a life with God when I get there, whenever there comes? And here's what Jesus said. He said, if you want to have an abundant life, love God with every part of your essence, heart, soul, mind, strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And he said to this man, do this and live. So this summer, we're spending 11 weeks taking Jesus at his word. And I'm not going to make you do that forever, but just for 11 weeks, take Jesus at his word, and we're just going to love. We're going to love God like we never have. We're going to try new ways to love him. We're going to love people like we never have. We're going we're to do some exciting, fun, out of the box, uh, some mundane every day. We're just going to look for ways to, to love people in this summer of love. And we're going to see if Jesus was telling the truth when he said, if you do this, you'll experience an abundant life, a life of purpose and passion, a life of of greater joy, of greater intimacy, uh, of greater fulfillment than you did without me. And one of the things that we're doing as we take this journey together is we're just sharing our experiences over to your left is what we're calling our love does wall. And so we're trying throughout the week to love people in new ways. And then we're coming to church on Sunday. We're taking these half sheets of paper and they're in the seat backs in front of you. And we're just writing down the experience, how you tried to love someone. Did it succeed? Did it fail? Uh, What was their response? How'd that go? We're just writing out our stories. And so far, halfway through this series, we have 302 stories up on that wall right there. 302 ways that people in our church have simply said, I'm just going to love. I'm just going to love. I'm just going to try to love. And I know that that probably represents more like 500 stories because some of us aren't writers who don't like to write it down. But here's my goal. 
Uh, we're halfway through the series. I would love to see at the end of the series 750 love does statements up on that wall. Wouldn't that be incredible? If we had 750 ways where we just loved people this summer over the course of 11 weeks, 750, which would probably be more like a thousand different ways that we as a church and as individuals chose just to try to love, try to love God in, in a unique way, try to love people in a unique way. So at some point throughout this morning, I want you to grab that half sheet of paper and just write out how you've been trying to love how it's going, stick it up there, and then I want to encourage you, after service or one of these weeks after service or before service, come up and just read some of these stories. They are, they're incredible. They're so fun. I love it. Um, I found out about someone who had loved me because they put it up on the wall. I didn't know who it was until I saw up on the wall that that was them who loved me, and it was just such a gift to me. See, wow, that person really cared about me. So make sure you write those out. Make sure you stick it up there. Well, if you're new to the church, uh, I want to tell you about myself a little bit. Um, you've already know my name. It's still Kevin. It was Kevin, and I believe it will be Kevin until I go to be with Jesus. I have a wife named Maria. We've been married for sneaking up on seven years. She's incredible. She puts up with me. Uh, you guys think I'm fun because you get me in small doses. She gets me all the time, and she still loves me. Uh, we have Landon, who is two and a half. He is an incredible guy. He gets this look in his eyes sometimes that I know I gave my parents right before I did something I probably shouldn't do. And I try to discipline, but usually I smile. So I'm really working on that. And then we've got Maddie. Maddie is four and a half going into kindergarten in about a month. And uh, we're both very excited for her. And it's tough, right? When your first kid goes to school, it's just, ah, oh, there's this, oh, it's tough. But we're working through it. We're working through it. Uh, they promised me that they will have Kleenex at kindergarten on drop-off day. So looking forward to that. But we've been teaching Maddie recently how to read a clock, how to tell time using uh, not a digital clock, not an iPhone, not an iPad, but an actual real sitting on the wall clock. And this morning she was playing with her little clock and she said, Daddy, what time is breakfast? And you have to understand about my family, uh, Sunday morning is not a relaxing time in the Finkbeiner household. I'm here at 7.30. Uh, every once in a while, Maria's leading worship, so we're all here about 7.15. So we're up, we're racing around, and Maddie's sitting there staring at the clock saying, Daddy, what time's breakfast? This was at 6.50. We said when the big hand gets to the 12, it'll be 7 o'clock, and then it'll be breakfast time. She sat there for about 45 seconds. She said to me, Daddy, this is taking so long. <laughs> Isn't that how time is when you're a kid? Time just seems to drag. Do you remember those weeks leading up to Christmas? How it just felt like it took forever to get to Christmas Eve. And then Christmas Eve day was just about, about what, 50 hours? Until you got to the night when the big guy came and it was very exciting. I remember turning 16 and going to take my driver's license test on my 16th birthday. If you are ready to take your driver's license test, don't take it on your birthday because you might fail. I failed. It was tragic. The Thank you for that. The only good thing is that my twin brother failed also, because if he would have passed and I would have failed, that would have been horrible. But I failed, which meant I had to wait two weeks to take my driver's license test again, and those were the longest two weeks of my life. There's something about being young where time just seems to slow down. If time was money when we were young, we felt like millionaires. We got two weeks into summer and we were saying, Mom, I'm bored. Dad, I'm bored. There's nothing to do. The summer's taking forever. But then right around the time we hit our early 20s, doesn't it feel like time kind of sped up on us? Like our birthdays seem to get closer and closer together now. Have you noticed that? Uh, some of you just stop counting because it feels like they come every three or four months. It's very sad. 
for you. Work days, work days just fly by, and there's always more work to get done than there are hours in the day to do it. Vacations seem to be so packed full of stuff that we get back from vacation, and people say, how was your vacation? And here's what we say. It was great, but I'm exhausted. I, I need a vacation, right? I, that vacation was exhausting. And then we get a free minute, but we are a culture of multitaskers now. So every time we get a free minute, we, we pick up our phone and we're posting what we're doing on Facebook and we're checking in and, and we're Pinteresting and we're looking uh, on Instagram to see who's having more fun than we are and what their pictures look like. I remember taking Maddie on a date one day and I was, I was posting where I was and taking a picture and posting because I thought that would be cute and fun. And someone wrote back to me on my Facebook page and said, stop posting about your date with your daughter and just go on a date with your daughter. I was like, oh, probably right, probably right. Man, if time, if time is money for us as adults, oftentimes we feel broke. We feel like we don't have enough, enough time to spend on the people that we love, on the things that we know need to be done. We feel like our time is pushed and pushed and pushed, and we just can't, we just can't spend our time the way that we, that we need to, the way that we want to. The people who deserve our time, and no one needs to tell us who they are because we, we feel it in our gut. They don't get our time because everything else is pulling at our time. And in this series, Summer of Love, we're looking at five unique ways to love God and love people. And one of the key ways to love people is with our with our time. And I want to explore that today because time is one of these interesting resources that is constantly depreciating. If you're wise with your money, your money will appreciate over time. Uh, If you learn things as you go, your wisdom will appreciate over time. If you work out, your muscles will appreciate over time. And if you don't, your stomach will appreciate over time. But time itself is depreciating. We have less of it today than we did yesterday. We'll have less of it tomorrow than we do today. And we sense this constant tension of how do I, how do I slow down? I have a limited amount of time to spend before the end. What do I do with it? It's depreciating. But Jesus, Jesus says that loving people takes time. It takes time. But time is slipping through our fingers like sand in an hourglass, and the tighter we try to hold on to our time, the the faster it goes. And we feel pressed all the time. He wants my time. She wants my time. The kids want my time. The boss wants my time. Vacation wants my time. Facebook wants my time. Everybody wants my time. FaceTime wants my time. It's very hard. We don't know what to do. And I want to say something that you might not agree with in the beginning, but I think if you think through it with me, you'll agree. More than anyone in human history, anyone in human history, presidents, kings, you, more than anyone in human history, Jesus was pressed for time. More than anyone who ever lived, Jesus was pressed for time. Just think through this with me for a second. Jesus was alive for just about 33 years. He had about three and a half years of actually doing ministry, and here was his goal for ministry, okay? communicate a new vision of God as a loving, powerful, heavenly Father who is close to you, who's intimately connected to you. Um, 
Talk about God in a way that, that, that gives you a new paradigm for how to love people and how to serve God and how to interact with your family. And he had to do it without the use of social media. He had to do it without mass transportation. Uh, he had to do it without airplanes. He had to do it without a church building. He had to do it by walking almost everywhere that he went, and he had three and a half years to do it. On top of the teaching, then his other goal, which is nothing to miss out on, was to die in our place because of our sin. And if you're new to church, sin is simply those destructive patterns that you have. I don't need to tell you what they are. You know what they are because they're hurting you. They're hurting the people around you. They're, they're separating you from God. That's, that's sin. If you don't think you have sin, talk to your spouse. They'll tell you you do, Okay. And he wanted to forgive the sin of the world. And so in three and a half, the end of three and a half years of ministry, he gave his life on a cross, took the penalty for our sin, and died, and then, then rose again. Three and a half years to change history. If anybody could sit in a room and say, you know what, I'm feeling a little pressed for time today. I feel like there's just more to do than there are days in the hour to do it. Jesus was that man. And you might be sitting here thinking, yeah, but he's God. He's God. And true, he is God. But when Jesus wrapped himself in flesh, he took on our limitations. He had to eat. He had to sleep. He had to go to the bathroom. He had to walk places. He didn't just teleport. He was not beamed up. He took on our limitations. And what I've noticed about Jesus is, is Jesus had a different way to interact with time than I do. And I'm just going to tell you right now, of all of the ways to love people that we're going to talk about in this series, this one is the hardest for me. This time thing is hard for me. Uh, I find myself standing in the lobby sometimes after church talking to one of you, and, and, and when I don't even mean to, looking over my shoulder to see who I need to talk to next and where I need to go next. And hey, there's 15 minutes till the next service starts. We better get going. I'm feeling a little pressed for time. Is the worship team where they need to be? Are the lights where they need to be? Is everything ready? And I feel pressured and stressed and pressed. And so this is my confession to you, and, and maybe you will get something out of it too. I don't know. Time, time will tell. But Jesus had a different way about living his life. Instead of running around, having his disciples set up speaking engagements at every town he came to, Jesus picked a group of 12 guys, and he said, I want to share life with you. I want to be friends with you. Let's, let's eat together. Let's drink together. Let's, uh, let's camp together and have fires and talk and, and share stories and ask questions. And yeah, we're going to get in fights, but then we'll work through it together. Let's do ministry together. Let's, let's rest together. And even though he was acutely aware of how much time he had, three and a half years to change the world, Jesus viewed time differently. There's a story in the New Testament, in the book of Mark, that, that speaks to this. To the fact that Jesus didn't just spend his time like I spend my time, but Jesus invested his time in a different sort of way. And I want to explore this story in Mark a little bit. It's a true story. It actually happened. Jesus, right before this, had been healing people, feeding people, teaching people, doing miracles. And anytime you're feeding people and doing cool miracles, you get a crowd around you. And that's where we pick up the story in Mark 5. Jesus had this crowd around him. And it says this in verse 21. When Jesus again crossed over on the boat to the other side of the lake. A large crowd gathered around him. Some wanted food, some wanted miracles, some wanted to hear him teach. This huge crowd gathered around him by the lake. 
And then one of the synagogue leaders, and, and the synagogue leader was like a local church leader. There were synagogues all over the place, and there was one temple. So everyone went to the one temple a few times a year, and they had their regular uh, worship services at the synagogue. And a synagogue leader named Jairus came, and when he saw Jesus, he fell down at his feet, and he pleaded earnestly with him, my, my little daughter is dying, he said. And I can imagine his heart is breaking, because if my little daughter was dying, my my heart would be breaking. And he says, my little daughter is dying. Please, Jesus, come and put your hands on her so that she will be healed and live. So Jesus went with him, and a large crowd followed, and they began to press in around him, and they were touching him. And, and it was, if, you're, if, you, if you don't, if you like having a personal bubble, you wouldn't have liked being with Jesus, because this crowd's just like squeezing in on him. It's mosh pit style. They're all walking through together. And if I'm Jesus at this point, I'm thinking this is good for ministry. Really good. We've got a huge crowd of people around. There's the synagogue leader, and if I can heal his daughter, then he's going to tell everybody about God and about what I'm doing through God, and more people are going to come, and the word's going to get out about God. And remember, Jesus' goal was to get this new vision out about God and to forgive the sin of the world and to teach us how to live in relationship with God. So if I'm him, I'm thinking, good, I've got church leaders on my side. I've got a huge crowd of people. I'm going to do this miracle, and everything is going to be great. More people will know about God. Not a bad thing at all. And then something happens that if I was Jesus or if I was a disciple would have really stressed me out. And I mean really stressed me out. We're talking about start to sweat, palms sweaty, getting anxious, tapping my toe really stressed me out because I'm a type A guy. I like to get stuff done. Verse 25 says, a woman was there. And she, I was going to make a comment and I'm not. I'm not going to make a joke about women stressing me out. That's not the part that stresses me out. There it goes. Start over. Verse 25, a woman was there. She had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. Most likely she had, had had her menstrual cycle for 12 years, and it wouldn't stop, and she's bleeding everywhere. And she had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and spent all that she had. And instead of getting any better, she grew worse. So here's the backstory for her. She's been bleeding for 12 years, and in that culture, uh, there was clean and there was unclean. And if you were clean, you could be around people, you could connect with people, you could engage with them. If you were unclean, you had to be separated from people because they thought that it was kind of like the flu. If you have the flu, you're supposed to stay home. Don't come to church and start hugging everybody if you've got the flu because you will contaminate us. They thought this way with this clean, unclean thing. If you're unclean, you can't be around people. You can't touch people because they thought you will contaminate us. And so this woman, if she had a family, after 12 years, her family probably left her because she couldn't be around them. She couldn't touch them. She couldn't spend time with them. Uh, if she had money, which she did in the beginning, her money was all gone because she was trying to, to, to cleanse herself, to stop this bleeding. Uh, she could not worship God in the church service in the synagogue because she was unclean. And if she went in, she would make other people unclean. She could not touch people because she was unclean. This was a horrible thing for 12 years. She had been socially, economically, politically ostracized from the community. It's a horrible situation for this woman. And in verse 27, she heard about Jesus. And she came up behind him in this crowd. So 
She's not supposed to be in the crowd. Remember, it's like a mosh pit. They're crushing together, and she sneaks up. She's probably covered. She's probably trying not to show any blood, and she sneaks up behind Jesus because she thought, if I just touch his clothes, I'll be healed. So she did. She, she reached out, and she touched Jesus, and immediately her bleeding stopped, and she felt in her body that she was free from her suffering. And at once, Jesus realized that power had gone out from him and he turned around in the crowd and he asked, who touched my clothes? And at that point, everybody freezes because the big guy's talking. And the disciples say, you see the, the crowd pushing against you, right, Jesus? You see that there's like a ton of people here. And yet you ask, who touched me? But Jesus kept looking around to see who had, had done it. So she goes up to him and she touches him and she's hoping she's going to sneak away so he can go off and heal this little girl. And Jesus stops and says, who touched me? And the disciples who were, uh, I think, kind of type A driven guys, especially Peter. Peter's one of the favorite disciples. Uh, He's one of my favorite characters because he was a driven type A guy who said dumb stuff a lot and yet God used him. I love it. (laughs) Can't resonate with him at all, but I love it. And I think Peter's standing there and he's, he's tapping his toe like, hey, Jesus, I don't know if you realize people are all around you. They're all touching you. We have places to go. We're trying to get ministry done. We need, to, we need to heal this girl so that people know about God, so the word spreads, so you become famous and we become famous and we have a mega church and it's going to be incredible. But Jesus doesn't keep going. He just looks around and says, who touched me? And the woman's got a decision to make. She can either come clean she can sneak away. In verse 33, the woman, knowing what had happened to her, she came and she fell at Jesus' feet, trembling with fear, and told him the whole truth, or the whole story. And Jesus then said to her, Daughter, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be free from your suffering. So the woman walks up to him and she tells him everything. Twelve years, all the doctors she had been to, when this bleeding thing started, what had happened, the pain she felt, the loneliness she felt, the hurt she felt. And it says that Jesus just sat there and listened to the whole story. He just sat there and listened to the whole story. And you can imagine 12 years of heartache. If you've ever had someone go through something painful and they come to your house and they start sharing their story, it takes time to share a painful story. This woman had 12 years of heartache that she poured out to Jesus in that moment. And he just sat and listened while the disciples tapped their toes and said, we've got ministry to do. Let's get to it. Let's move forward. Hey, can't you see all these people standing around? See, Jesus, Jesus had a different model than I do. And I'm learning more and more about this, that that Jesus gave people his time. He invested in, in people because he loved people. He gave this woman the most valuable resource he had. He was only doing ministry for three and a half years, and he gave her, let's say, a couple hours of his time to sit and to listen, and then to bless her and to heal her. Why? Because he loved her. He loved her. And she felt like everyone had abandoned her, and then God, God took the time to sit with her because he loved her. Here's how the story ends, and we aren't going to get into it today. The synagogue leader, his servants come, and they say, your daughter is dead. 
don't go, don't make Jesus waste his time, she's gone, he missed it, you blew it, we're done. Jesus says, no, no, she's just asleep. So Jesus goes to her house, he raises her from the dead, kind of a big miracle. Could have gotten a lot of fame out of it, could have had a lot of people cheering for him. Instead, he says, don't tell anyone about this, because this girl is at the age where she could start getting married soon, and, and I don't think guys are going to want to date a girl who was dead. So just tell people she was asleep. That'll be better. And Jesus goes on his way. This summer, we are learning how to love people, how to really deeply, passionately, fully love people. And the more I look at Jesus, and the more I remind myself, Jesus was busier than me. He was more pressed for time than I am. He had more ministry to do than I did The more I look at Jesus, I realize that a key way that Jesus loved people was by getting to know them. Just by getting to know them. By sitting and sharing stories and talking and laughing and crying and listening. And this is hard for some of us. Because we're we're driven people. We always want to be getting stuff done. And we get so focused on getting stuff done that we become singular focused on on tasks and we miss out on the people. And people become inconveniences. People become tasks to get checked off. People become meetings to accomplish. A date night becomes something on my schedule that I must cross off so my wife is happy. And we don't ever slow down and love people. We could say it this way. I believe it's hard to love someone you don't know. And I believe it's hard to know someone you don't spend time with. It's hard to love someone you don't know, and it's hard to know someone you don't spend time with. I uh, remember one of the first times I saw Maria, my wife. Uh, It was about eight years ago. She was directing a conference, a national conference. She was the the uh, production person, so she had the headset on with the cool microphone and looked very Britney Spears eight years ago. It was very cool. Uh, and, And I saw her, and I thought she was gorgeous. Absolutely. It was not love at first sight because I don't believe it love at first sight because I don't believe you can love someone if you don't know them. It was, I think you are hot at first sight. <laughs> first, first sight. So here's what I did when I saw this extremely attractive 20-something woman. I got up early every morning and I went into the main auditorium where this conference was happening and I said, how can I serve? I want to help out. Can I just, can I do anything? I'm a, I'm a Christian. And I want to serve you. Here's what I was thinking. I've got six days to get to know this incredibly attractive woman. What's the best way for me to get to know her? It's to be around her, to spend time with her. So I did. Every morning, I got up at like 5.30 in the morning just to set stuff up. I had no idea how to do any of it. Little did I know that I'd be doing this someday, like helping out taping stuff up. It's part of the, the way that God used my selfish desire to get a bride. Uh, And by the end of that week, still didn't love her, but man, I liked her a whole lot more because I knew her. It's hard to love someone you don't know, and it's hard to know someone you don't spend time with. And time, time is one of the most valuable resources that you have. One of the most valuable Here's what I would say. When we give our time to someone, we give ourselves to them. This is what I'm learning from Jesus. 
Jesus has nothing better to do than spend time with you. That's why Ron said last week, having a regular time with God is so important because Jesus has nothing better to do than to spend time with you because he loves you. And when we give our time to someone, we give ourselves to them. When we give our time, here's what we're saying. We're saying, you have me, unadulterated, uh, uninterrupted, totally focused, me. Here I am. Here I am. So here's the question that I think this begs us to ask as we head out of here this morning. Is there a person or a group that you just have this sense that you need to love more? Could it be that the way you need to love them more is simply by giving them you, by giving them your time? Not your money. We'll get to that. Um, not words of affirmation. We've talked about that. Just simply giving them you, for better or worse, you. And I want to list off some categories just to give you some things to be thinking about as we head out of here this morning. In your marriage, if you're married, how much, how much time are you spending with your spouse? Like, real time. Not, not, we finally, we finally got the kids out to bed. We finally got them to school. Now I just want to drink my coffee in silence and you can sit next to me at a safe distance time. But like quality time. I know you're busy. Work, kids' schedules, extracurricular stuff, life group, serving in the church. I know you're busy, but listen, Jesus was more busy. And yet he, he found time. How about your kids? Are your kids going through one of those funky stages where you just don't really understand them anymore and you can't figure it out? For all intents and purposes, we, we have our kids in our house for 18 years if we do it well, where we're kind of in control of their time, especially early on, but even later, we're in control of their time. We can invest as much time in them as we want to. If you feel disconnected from your kid, maybe we need to learn the things they like and just spend time doing that with them. My dad used to play uh, a race car game on Sega Genesis with me a couple nights a week. We just spent an hour racing cars together on our Sega Genesis. It was amazing. Graphics like no other. I mean, I knew they would never come up with anything better than Sega Genesis. He didn't like racing cars. In fact, he thought it was pretty lame and dumb, but, but he loved me. So he spent his time, his time with me. Maybe you have a sense as, as we talk as a church that you need to get to know someone from a, a, a different culture. Maybe God is calling you to love a, a different cultural people group because we are a global church. New Life is a local church. We're part of a bigger community, a global church, and God's calling us to love people globally from different cultures. Uh, some of you might not know this about my wife. She is half Lebanese, so I married a, a Middle Eastern woman. Uh, and marrying a Middle Eastern woman, man, I learned so much about family and about God and about myself, stuff I never would have known because I spent time with someone from a, a different culture. Maybe, maybe you just need to spend time with someone from a different cultural background than you just to get to know them, to love them. Do you want to impact your coworkers or your neighbors? Maybe you just need to invite them over for a barbecue. Say, come on over, let's hang out, let's just spend time together. Fourth of July, we went and we had a barbecue, we had a, a fireworks show with, with some neighbors down the street, and I didn't want to go spend time with them because I just wanted to sit on my porch and watch their fireworks, and my wife said to me, no, no, spending time with people is a good thing, so we walked down and we just sat and talked to them, and I thought one of my neighbors didn't like me for the past five months. Come to find out, he's just kind of like that. You know that? Like, you know those people just kind of like that? Like, he likes me fine. He's just kind of like that. 
okay. Okay. How about, how about, and I know we live in Sonoma County, so I'm, I'm guessing most of us have some level of this. We feel like we need to love people who are, who are stuck in poverty. But it kind of feels like an issue and not a person, right? Maybe we need to spend our time with someone who, who's stuck in a cycle of poverty just to get to know them. In a few weeks, we're going to have you bring $5 to church, and we're going to create these, um, these gift bags for people who are homeless. It's going to have things like socks and places to get food and, and, and some food and things in it. Uh, and it's going to be a great thing where you can put it in your car and then just go and sit and talk to someone next time you see someone who is in a cycle of poverty, simply to get to know them. And, and the bag is just kind of an icebreaker to, to get there. Imagine if we started to do this in our world that's constantly rushing, that's constantly feeling pressed for time. Imagine if we became weird, this weird group of, of Jesus followers who just slowed down and loved people. What if instead of spending our time on tasks or wasting our time on TV and social media, we invested our time in, in relationships the way that Jesus did? I think people would notice, and they'd say, well, what, why do you do that? Why do you, why do you do that? Why did you sit and listen to me for two hours? I'm not that interesting. You could say to him, well, I did it because I love Jesus, and Jesus slows down for people because Jesus loves people, so I'm going to slow down for you because I, I love Jesus, and I'm learning how to love you. They say, wow, I, that's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. Can I come to church with you and learn about this? And you'd say, of course you can. If you want to, of course you can. Come meet Jesus. He loves you. And it would change our, it would change our city. It just would. It would change your family. It would change your relationship with your kids and your grandkids. It would just change everything. I told you we're going to be using these tonight. On the back of uh, your Connect cards, there are three options on how to apply this stuff. And on the back of your teaching notes, we give you a bunch of opportunity to put this into practice. Because we believe that information, which is what you just heard, plus application, which is what you do with it, leads to transformation. And we want your lives to be transformed by Jesus. And so we give you three options. A crawl option, a walk option, and a run option. And basically crawl is if you are illiterate at this love language, if you just, if quality time is hard for you like it is for me, you might want to pick a crawl option. If you're kind of good at spending quality time with people, pick a walk option. And if you're great at it, pick a run option to challenge yourself to grow. Um, But I want to talk about the, the first one. The first crawl option is go on a relational date or outing with a friend. This coming Saturday night, one week from yesterday, this coming Saturday night, we are doing something that we're going to call New Life Night Out. New Life's Night Out. It's a night to go on a date if you are a dating person in a dating situation. It's a night to go out with a friend if you are not in a dating relationship, or maybe go out with your kids and spend time with them. It's a time where we're just going to go this Saturday night, and we are going to go into our city and spend quality time with people. So go on a date with your husband or your wife or your kids. Go on a family date. Go on a date with your housemates. Uh, go on an outing. If you're, not, if you're a bunch of guys in the house, don't call it a date. Just say we're going to go do stuff, okay? Just go, go do stuff with the guys, okay? Just do stuff. And here's what we want to do to help you. I told you if you filled out this card, it'd be good for you. If you have kids, uh, we want to watch them for you for the night so you can go do stuff. 
So you can spend quality time. So on the back of your Connect card, it says, I'd like childcare for New Life's Night Out. And it has age ranges, zero to two and a half, two and a half to four, four to five. You can read it from there. You're very smart. Here's what I need you to do. There's a line under that. Tell us how many kids you have in that age range that you need childcare for. How many kids you have? So if you have two kids under two and a half, we will pray for you and we'll give you childcare. Okay? So you would write a number two on the line. Two kids. I'm leaving them till next year. And then here's what we're going to do. We're, we're just asking if you would donate $5, we'll cover the rest of the cost for childcare. We have fingerprinted workers. Um, we're going to do childcare here at the church. They're going to have fun stuff to do. If you would mark that on your card and tell us how old your kids are, we'll get it all set up for you so you can just come drop them off and have like a three-hour date with somebody. And it's going to be great for you. Uh, if you mark that on your card, I will email you this week giving you all the specifics. What time to drop them off, what time you must pick them up. Okay, you cannot leave them here even though the next day is Sunday. That's not the way we're going to do it. This is not an all-nighter for your two-year-old. Okay, we will lock the doors. I'm not that relational. I'm working on it. So just mark that down. Turn your card in. And then there's other stuff like uh, in the walk category, sit with my spouse for at least one day a week over the next four weeks just to talk. Just sit with my spouse and talk for like an extended period of time, like an hour or two. And then this, the number two on the run category, I think is, wow, blows my mind. Um, but I, I know people have done it. Do a complete television media fast for one week and just spend time together. That's a challenge. But you know what? If you did that, I guarantee it would change the way your family interacts with each other. It could be so good. It could be so good. I spent eight days camping out of cell range, out of connection with anything outside last week. And eight days with my family was incredible. Incredible. So think about doing that. Uh, and then on your, on your Connect card, and there's one more option at the bottom that I want to talk to you about for a second, and then I will, I will let you go for the day. And that is simply this. If you've never entered into a relationship with Jesus Christ, today's your day to do that. Jesus gave himself to you by giving his time to you when he wrapped himself in flesh and came to earth. And the Bible says that Jesus gave his life for you and then gives us his Holy Spirit to live with us forever inside of us so that we can live the life that we are created to live with God in a relationship. And if you've never entered into that kind of relationship, today's your day to say yes, to say yes to God because he loves you. He wants to know you and be with you. He has nothing better to do than spend time with you. So if you say yes to him today, the Bible says that he will come and he will, he will take up residence in your heart and guide you on this journey and love you and forgive you of your sins and bring you back into a relationship with your heavenly father. It is a good, good thing. So if you're ready to make that choice, I'm going to pray right now and you can, you can whisper this prayer, just repeat it after me. It's a prayer of commitment to God. So would you join me as we pray? And you can pray this simple prayer. Just repeat it where you are. If we you're hope ready you enjoyed to give your life this week's message. God, you can say, Lord Jesus. You can Jesus, find more information about New Life, including contact information. Thank you for this opportunity. NewLifePetaluma.org. Thank you for coming to this service. Thanks for listening. And dying on a cross to bring about the forgiveness of my sins. Thank you there, that you rose from the dead, breaking the power of sin and death and destruction. Today I say, yes, God. Yes, I want to have a relationship with you. So would you come forgive me of my sin that separated me from you? Would you come and fill me with your spirit and show me how to walk in this life? Would you guide me into eternity with you? Amen.